0: Hello, and welcome to The Daily Booktopian for Thursday, April 16th. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about reading in the time of isolation and social distancing. Joining me today are Head of Trade Products, Joe Lewin. Hi, Joe. Hi. And Category Manager for Lifestyle Books, Shanu Prasad. Hi, Shanu. Hi. Uh, let's get into it. Shinu, uh, what have you brought for us today?
1: Um, well, I've brought, uh, you know, another cookbook because I do like to keep things consistent, and um, the book that I have been uh, cooking out of, including last night, um, when I say I, I mean mainly my husband, but I did cook something myself, was um, a book that a lot of people already know. Uh, it's called Nothing Fancy by Alison Roman. Came out um, towards the end of last year, and um, it is fantastic. Um, we're out of stock at the moment, but we have so much stock on the way, and it should be um, it should be back in stock um, by beginning of next week if not this week um even though the subtitle of the book when you do open it is called um unfussy food for having people over i can 100% tell you that you can just as easily enjoy these recipes, making it for yourself or even just one other person. Um, and you do not need to invite people over um, to make these recipes, which is great, considering we're not allowed to do that right now. Sure, sure. Uh, you're,
0: you're talking to somebody who is very much a um, serving size four, no, serving size one kind of person. So that's fine. <laughs> of-
1: yeah, and the best part of these about of these recipes is that you can, um, because I do not like cooking something that I can, I'll eat for one meal and then I have to cook something again for the next meal. I like to be able to cook something that I can eat for at least a couple of meals, um, you know, if I'm gonna put all that effort in. So it's actually perfect um, if you have less people um, for making these recipes because you make them and then you can eat them for dinner and then maybe for lunch the next day or even dinner the next night um, My favorite recipe um, That we've made um, So far I do like I do like the royal way there I honestly it was my husband that made it I did add some extra items to it So I, I'm taking some credit for it um, is the uh, Greek um, Greek meatballs, so it's um, mm yeah it's it they're amazing uh, pork meatballs in um like a tomatoey um a tomato-y sauce and the meatballs are super light because they're um, held together with yogurt um rather than um you know with breadcrumbs and um I, we added some extra vegetables um my friend who lives in america um is australian has said like so many of the recipes that she's um that she makes she adds extra vegetables too because they they they're more of a um here's a main dish and here's like 25 different sides whereas i'm all about one pot cooking so um so i basically we followed the recipe as is and then just added some um carrots and some tomatoes and um halloumi to the um to the um to the pot and uh it has lasted us for four meals doing that so i 100 uh, recommend that recipe And the other thing that I made last night is the one chocolate recipe in the book, which is called Tiny Salty chocolatey Cookies. And they are pretty much exactly what they say. They are super easy to do. The most complicated thing you have to do is brown some butter, which honestly is actually not that difficult at all, as long as you don't actually um, move away from the stove. Then you will burn the butter. But if you stay at the stove, you go, oh, look, that's looking a bit brown, you take it off the stove, that's it. That's the most complicated thing in this recipe. Um, I did it last night. It took me, and I, I'm a very slow cook, but it only took me about like 10, 12 minutes to do to make the make them, and they, they bake in six minutes. So um, they're amazing, and there is almost as much actual chopped chocolate in it as there is the rest of the mix. So they are completely gooey and delicious. They're like almost like a brownie, but in a cookie form. And you also add some um, salt flakes to it so that it cuts through the richness of the chocolate. So um, I would definitely recommend those two recipes out of the book. And my husband has, like, bookmarked, like, 47 other recipes um, to make as well. So uh, that is my cookbook recommendation for the week. Amen. So my,
2: my question for you, Shanu, um, something that's been on my mind, I've been looking on my social media at the moment, and I feel like if I'm not making my own sourdough and getting my own sourdough starter, am I really in isolation? I was um, going for my like one day, one exercise walk a day um, in Newtown yesterday and uh, like these hipsters were standing around talking about their sourdough starters, the way they normally talk about the, you know, cool hip bands they went to see and, um, you know, where they drank cocktails on the weekend. I feel like I'm the only person in the world that's buying bread at the supermarket like a chump. (laughs)
1: Uh, yes because I'm buying my bread from um the restaurants that are shut and have nothing to do besides delivery and takeaway and buying bread from them because I also have no interest myself in making sourdough however I do understand you and every single person I know is also making sourdough and posting their um amazing mostly amazing um uh, amazing yeah I've (laughs) I've seen one of an
2: explosion but mostly amazing
1: Yeah, so the, luck, the good thing is, uh, there are at least, uh, th- there must be thousands of books on sourdough, but there are um, two that I would definitely recommend that have been super popular that we finally got back into stock. Um, that uh, um, if you are not an um, artisan bread maker, um, of you know twenty years standing and you, but you do want to get in on the um, on the on the action. Um, the one I recommend is um, artisan sourdough made simple, um, which is a great title and that's exactly what you want. Um, a beginner's guide and beyond by um, Emily. Oh, that Rafferty. bread
2: on the that bread on the cover looks amazing. It's got those beautiful big bubbles, like the big air pockets that you want to see in really delicious sourdough.
1: Exactly. And the yeah. other one, um, which is the gives you the opposite, which is just the uncut sourdough, the one that you really want to be putting on the Instagram to show how wonderful you are at, you know, dusting flour over the top of something, is um, how to make sourdough. Forty five recipes for great tasting sourdough breads. Um, by uh, Emmanuel Had-, Had Oh, that's not a name I'm gonna be able to pronounce correctly and I do a pot. Hajinadru Had- drew I H A D J I A N D R E O U. That's uh, how to make sourdough. You look that up, you'll find it much easier. than putting in the author's, the author's name. Um, that, that one we have in stock at the moment as well, and uh, that one is great because you know there's only so many times you can make the one sourdough recipe inside the um, in the pot, and so it's really fantastic because it gives you a whole bunch of once you've mastered that one, gives you a yeah. whole bunch of other recipes that you can um, you can also uh, you can also try.
2: Awesome. That, that's
0: uh, I I don't know personally I I take a lot of pleasure in bread. It's one of my one of my favorite things on this planet is like nice, delicious bread and to the point where I never want to try making any because I I would just spoil it for myself if I did that because I would be terribly incompetent at it. Um so I'm 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 with you Joe. I'm still I'm not going to the supermarket. But there's a bread shop around the corner from my house that's that's still open and I'm just going there with my with my two dollars and getting my bread. Yeah. Every-
1: Well, Mark, I've actually got, got, uh, I mean, you don't need the second part of the title of this next book. It's a book that's actually coming out. Um, It was meant to be published on the 28th of May, but because of the huge demand for sourdough and for baking that uh, bread that's happened, they're actually releasing it early, surprisingly, compared to the rest of the books that are getting, you know, pushed out at the moment. Um, And so it's called um, How to Raise a Loaf and Fall in Love with Sourdough Baking. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so we've got a we've got a whole bunch of copies coming of um of that book and it really um it's absolutely perfect for beginners and so that yeah. should be coming that that should be here by the um by the end of end of April so I definitely recommend pre-ordering uh, a copy I, of that but I book.
0: don't I, I don't want to begin I don't want to learn how to love to make it I I I, I just want to keep my bread in business and pay somebody else yeah. to do it for me <laughs>
2: Yeah, I uh, yeah, like think I have to. I have to cave to peer pressure and just actually start doing it. I already last week I talked about how I started gardening due to just peer pressure from social media, and now I feel like sourdough might be the next thing.
1: True, it reminds me of the um, of the Portlandia. Um, you know, Portlandia, where they uh, they go like it's the hipsters, but it's not the um the it's the not the 90s or whatever. It's not the 1990s. It's the 1890s, and I feel like that's where we're heading heading back to again. Totally, totally.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Joe, what have you brought along for us today?
2: um so I'm going to be quite boring and I'm going to start by talking again um about a book that I talked about last week so I'm still reading um Utopia Avenue by David Mitchell I'm well in the thick of it now um it's such a treat to have a David Mitchell book this year so I just can't I can't help but keep talking about it um it really is one of those like classic um rock and roll memoirs um, so anyone who loved the mo- the movie almost famous anyone who loved um, Daisy Jones um, and six Daisy Daisy and the six whatever it's called um, this is this is totally a book for them as well as a book for um, for David Mitchell fans um, I'm finding as I'm going into it it's got everything that you love about that rock bio um all of the all of the name dropping, you know, David Bowie's in one chapter. Brian Jones is in a bunch of chapters. Every every sixties um, every sixties rock star you could possibly think of that might be might have been hanging around London at the time, uh, but also some really fantastic um, character portraits of the four members of the band who are all very different um, and all come to music with a different. Um, uh, with a different sort of reason for for being for being in the rock scene, so um, really fascinating. It doesn't so far seem to have that same um, supernatural magic realism bent of um, what you expect from from David Mitchell, but that's not unprecedented. You know, like Black Swan Green was a um, was a straight up coming of age story, um, and and this is just really. Yeah, I, I'm really into it. It's really sweeping me away into that, uh, into that swinging '60s world of London.
0: That something that I wanted to, because um, we talked about this yesterday, and you were saying how um, uh, it, it kind of lacks that that magical realism. But something I, I would want to be on the lookout for when I read it, and something that that maybe maybe. Um, you might notice is I'm curious as to whether there's like crossover with some of his other works in there.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Whether there's like subtle references to things that are happening. So even if the story is not necessarily magical realism itself, maybe it does take place in a universe where uh, where some of his other characters uh, exist.
2: Well, absolutely. So one of the uh, one of the members of the band, his name is uh, Jasper de Zoit, uh, which is uh-huh. obviously a reference to the Thousand Summers of Jacob de zoit. Yeah. um and uh there's a reference to a um a psychiatrist called uh yuan Marinus who is obviously the guy in I can't remember which one but one of the really wacky ones the bone clocks I think
1: yeah, yeah.
2: um so there are there are smattered throughout his uh this book as he pretty much usually does he like he recycles yeah. his favorite um his favorite names to kind of Talk you back to other books that you've read. And let you us know hands. next week if any supernatural beings jump out of the woodwork, because it still is possible. It is David Mitchell. You never know.
0: But No spoilers, because I, I want to read it.
2: <laughs> no, I won't give you a spoiler. Good, good. Um, and the other thing that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm I'm racing through David Mitchell because I know that this is um, on the way in the post to me is um is the new. Uh, Robbie Arnott. Um, so Robbie Arnott is an Australian author, um, a real darling of the, the literary set, um, and he's got a new book coming out through text publishing uh, in June. Um, I absolutely loved his first book. So it came out in 2018. It was called something. It was called Flames. Flames something. Yeah. Uh yeah and the new one is called the the rain heron so i don't know anything about what it's going to be about but i can tell you that um flames was an absolute roller coaster of craziness um just to, uh you know supernatural water rats and exploding wombats on
1: just
2: <laughs> people that could burst into flames and it was just um so beautifully mystical and yet so grounded in the Australian landscape and Australian culture. Um, so I've got really, really high hopes for um, for his new one. Very exciting.
0: There's something really joyful about picking up a book and just going in completely blind, but knowing that that you know the author's pedigree means that you're gonna you, you're guaranteed a good time on some level.
2: That's right, and that's I think that's where um, that's how I went into the David Mitchell and it hasn't disappointed. And that's how I'm going to be going into the Robbie Arnott as well. Awesome. I mean, uh, there's nothing like finding a debut. We all love finding a debut that absolutely sweeps us off our feet, but also settling into um, the, the style of something well-loved is a real treat.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you, Joe and Chinoo, for joining us today and for sharing those amazing recommendations with us. Um, We also like to give a bit of a shout out to an Australian author on this podcast and today we're shouting out to Jess Hill who um, won this week the Stella Prize for her incredible work See What You Made Me Do uh, which is a book about the domestic um, abuse epidemic in the Australian community and it is an absolutely incredible book that will change your mind about a lot of things and open up ways of looking at and thinking about uh, this horrible situation um, that you might not have thought of before. Uh, I found it to be an absolutely incredible book. I've put a review up on our Booktopian blog as well, if you want to hear what uh, what we thought about it. But yeah, Jess Hill, See What You Made Me Do, Stella prize-winning book. If you haven't already encountered this book, I urge you strongly to get yourself a copy uh, as quickly as possible and uh And, yeah, just engage with something that is really, really important. Um, So, as usual, you can listen to all of our episodes for free on SoundCloud. And we will be back at the same time tomorrow with another episode of The Daily Booktopian. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free